Well, when I was um, a kid, and I had a friend, and this friend was awesome. Whenever I would hang out with this friend, it was like an adventure. Okay? Anybody have a friend like that? That's a good friend to have. Okay. Because I'm like a guy that, you know, likes computers and sits in my room and stuff. But this friend would always take me out. And uh, this friend, he, um, we lived in Alaska where it snows and it's cold, right? That's what you know about Alaska. We didn't live in an igloo, but we did. We, we were cold sometimes. And uh, this friend lived uh, outside of town, and he had a house on a hill, his, his family. And I was a teenager, and I went over there. And the first time I went over there, I think it was my very first time, he brought us on the snowmobile. Do you know snowmobile? It's like a quad or a four-wheeler only for the snow. It's got a track. And he tied up this rope to this snowmobile, and he got a sled. Do you know what a sled is for riding down the hills in the snow? Okay, I'm just, just checking. I want to be culturally relevant here. Okay, so he got a sled. And so I, he said, sit in this sled. We were, so we were on this road leading around his house. And so I sat down on this sled. And he says, hold on to this rope. So I hold on to this rope. And he just flies. Like, and I'm being pulled. Like, and he's driving like, uh, 40, like 60, 60 kilometers an hour. Just flying down this road. Just crazy. Nobody died. I'm here. Hallelujah. Then he was the friend that also introduced me to snowboarding. So again, he lived on this house that had a hill. There was the road down to his house where they would park their car uh, was a hill. And so he brought me and he said, Noel, you got to try this. And he strapped me into his snowboard. And so I got on it and I, and I flew down the hill and I crashed. And he said, come on, you're going to hit a jump now. So I went, up, I went up with him the next time. And um, we just kept snowboarding and snowboarding. And he taught me at his house with his encouragement and his vision for my life, he taught me how to do a 180 where I hit the jump and I spin like a 360 is all the way around, right? But I got half, halfway and I landed. That was, that was great. Can you give me a hand? Come on. Wasn't that? Wow. So this friend, again, it was just like an adventure. Every single time we would hang out. And um, then he came to my house. It was the summertime. I'll, probably my parents don't even know about this, but I'll tell you this. Uh, he came over, and we lived in our back garden. Like, uh, there was a river, right? And the river was about probably the length from here over to the next building over there, something like that, maybe a little bit shorter than that. And he, he came there immediately. He said, Noel, have you ever been on the other side of the river? We got to go over there. That looks amazing. There's trees over there. Who knows what's over there? I was like, oh, yeah, I've, I actually have never been over there. In my own backyard. So we... I don't remember if we got a little raft or something because it was shallow for a while, but then it just really dropped off and the water moves fast. So we ended up getting over there and we found it was just a, a massive forest and we kept walking and it opened up into this big field and there were couches and old, like big, those big barrels, metal barrels and light bulbs. 
And it was just an amazing adventure for a teenager, right? So we hung out there. And, okay, so why am I telling you this? Well, I think that the Holy Spirit is a lot like this friend. And uh, he, he kind of like invites us into adventure. And listen, the Christian life has got a reputation with a lot of people being very boring, like read your Bible and pray and go to, you know, go to Mass for an hour on a Sunday, have a nice dinner afterwards, and then whatever. Go to your Christian thing at that weird enterprise park and then, okay, but it's not meant to be that way. Isn't that good news? Aren't you happy? Your life is not meant to be so boring. The Holy Spirit invites, invites us into like an adventure. Just think about that for a moment. I, I I had other friends, right, that they brought me on adventures, but those adventures almost exclusively involved evil and stuff that I regretted later. But the Holy Spirit's not like that. This This friend, like, it was adventure and there was no hangover, right? There was no, oh, what did I do? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> That's so awesome that that's how our God is. It's amazing. Okay, so let's look. Math. I'm going to keep hitting some verses. I know you still have your finger in Daniel, and I will get there. Um, Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Jesus, Jesus says he's going to go to his father in a moment, in a soon. And he says to his disciples, Go! Therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Can you say all? All that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. <clears throat> okay, just something important to see is that the call of God is not for you to only be a Christian. But let me premise that first. Listen, Jesus loves you. God, the Father, loves you so much that he sent his Son to die on the cross for you so that you could have forgiveness of your sins, everything that, you know, kept you from having a relationship with God, being clean and the ability to c- connect to God. And, and he, when he did that for you and you, when you received that, you say, you know, Jesus, you died on the cross for me. I'm a sinner. I'm sorry, Lord. I know. I admit it. I, I am a, I'm a, a broken, uh, selfish, childish, 
person and I need your help because I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting those around me. And so I need you. I need your forgiveness. Then the father says that you are his daughter and you are his son. So that's like starting point. Okay? So if you've received Jesus, can you just say, I'm a, I'm a daughter or I'm a son if you're... So God saves you to save you because he loves you, right? And that's the best. That's the good news. But, but that's, there's more, right? So that's the gospel. But we want the whole gospel. So can you raise your hand if you're breathing today? Okay, good. I am happy, happy to, happy to see it. So if you're breathing and you're a Christian, you are God's child, but there's more. There's a call not just to have a title of Christian. There's a call to be a disciple. And this is what Jesus tells his disciples He says, disciples, go and make disciples. So God's call is not just for you to have a name change of Christian, although, you know, you're a child of God, all that stuff. But your call is more. It's to discipleship. And so what is a disciple? A disciple, the meaning of the word is learner. But with that learning is for sure action. You got you to gotta act. As you learn, you don't just get head knowledge, but you live it out. And so that's his call to us, is to, to be disciples. We're, we're in, we were invited to be learners. And a disciple, I love, there's a lot of churches, and, and they, they have like vision statements. You ever, ever heard of vision statements? A lot of them, they say, our mission is to create Fully devoted followers of Christ. Are you a fully devoted follower of Christ? Or do you prefer just to be called Christian? And yeah, I'll watch. But I don't know if I want to walk. This is what Jesus is looking for. Um... But listen, what a crazy thing to follow Jesus, fully, devotedly, observing everything that he's commanded. Have you thought? You've probably thought about it. To live a life that, like, does what Jesus does. I don't know about you, but I am, like, overwhelmed by the task. Because I have this so-called job, but, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm the same as you. But sometimes people call me pastor. And so I have this job that says, well, you're supposed to do stuff that's amazing. You're a pastor. But, you know, all of us have that, actually, that thing on our shoulders as Christians that we're meant to be like Jesus. They should either scare you to death or, like, make you smile or something. 
Why don't you just smile at me anyway? Woo! Lord. I... Um... In, uh, in Alaska, sometimes you can uh, go on boats out in the ocean and you go looking for, they call it whale watching. And it's amazing. They're these massive things. I mean, I'm just scared to kind of like get in the, the water here in Ireland and go swimming a little bit because I don't know what's under there. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You know, something's going to sting me or um, bite me or uh, crawl between my toes. And, but when you go there, there are these things down below that are just freaky. These whales, like bigger than buses. And so then they come up, and sometimes, you know, you usually you watch them, and they're, you know, they're way out there, and so you're like, wow, that's awesome. But then sometimes they come up near the boat and splash you, and you get a little wet. And uh, so that's, I think of that a little bit like our, um, what Christianity often is. We are watching, and sometimes we get a little splash. But today, my message to us is, is that actually God wants us to actually jump in that freaky water. I'm glad you're smiling. Okay, Daniel chapter 4. This is a funny chapter to look at, actually, when talking about the Holy Spirit. But as, I, as we look at it, I think, hopefully, I believe that the Lord's going to highlight some stuff um, that, that is really cool. So... <clears throat> My, my title for this chapter uh, in my Bible is Nebuchadnezzar Praises God. And this says, King Nebuchadnezzar to all the people and nations and language that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. Here's that word again, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. And this is super interesting because it's like Nebuchadnezzar is it's like he's writing a, a magazine article in the book of Daniel. You know what I'm saying? It's like the king has written an article for Forbes, and we get to read it. I don't know if you know what Forbes It's a magazine. Like, okay. Really interesting that Nebuchadnezzar is writing this. And he says, I need to, I want to write what God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. Okay, then in verse 4 through, um, through to, to 12, it says that I had this really, really scary dream, and I'm traumatized by it. So I called all my counselors, which he tends to do if you read the other chapters before. He has crazy dreams. The last time he wouldn't tell them what the dream was, but this time he decides, well, I'm going to tell them. And the last time he was going to kill them because they couldn't tell him what the dream was. But this time, I guess he just gives them a break. But they're smart. They say, we don't know. We don't know what, what that dream means. And so then he goes to Daniel, the man. And he's, let, let me see if I can read this scripture. 
Daniel, I had this crazy dream. In this dream, there was this tree, and it rose up from the earth, and it got huge, the hugest tree you've ever seen. And its leaves and its arms stretched out across the old earth, and everybody could see it. And it grew strong, and it reached to heaven, and it was visible to the, to the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful. It was abundant in fruit, and in it was food for all. The beasts, all the animals, found shade underneath this tree. The birds lived in it, and all flesh was fed from it. And then a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven and proclaimed about this tree, this tree, look at this amazing tree, chop it down. Leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and broad, bronze. Amid, amid the, the tender grass of the field, wet with the dew of heaven. So it's there. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from man's and let a beast's mind be given to him. Let seven periods of time pass over him. This sentence is by the decree of the watchers, by the word of the holy ones. And the purpose, this is the, it's still in the dream, is that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. Okay, I, I just want to look at um, a specific verse here. Okay, so can you just look at verse 8? Because Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, and, um, you know, the other, the other magicians couldn't it, interpret it for him. And then it says, At last Daniel came in before me, he who was named Belteshazzar, which is a name having to do with Nebuchadnezzar's gods, after the name of my god, yeah, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Isn't that, that's super, that just stood out to me. Nebuchadnezzar, this great leader, real spiritual guy, and he recognized in Daniel what he called the spirit of the gods in him. And he was a man on a journey. And just like so many people all around us in Port Leash. They are many, many people around us that are spiritual and on a journey. They don't fully understand that actually there's only one God. But they're on a journey. And it's interesting. He was able to recognize the spirit of the holy gods is on you, Daniel. And, and okay, so we're looking at Daniel kind of as an example to us, as a, as a people of God. What do, how do people, do people recognize that with us? That the Spirit, there's something different about you. Okay, so he told Daniel this dream, and Daniel, it says Daniel was super dismayed. He said, um, Nebuchadnezzar, I hope that this dream is for your enemies. Because it's not good news that I have for you. He says, the tree is you, Nebuchadnezzar. 
It's the decree of the Most High till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. So Nebuchadnezzar, this dream that you had, the reason that you had it is because you think that you're amazing, but actually everything you have is a gift from the Most High God. He needs you to know that it's not you. Those things are because heaven rules. Can you say heaven rules? This is my favorite two words that are in this passage of Scripture. Heaven rules. And then it says that um, Daniel revealed this to him. And, and he also says, it's really interesting... Daniel says, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, you need to, to realize this. Then um, in verse 27, there, therefore, my king, let my counsel be accepti- acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. And you see... God and the Holy Spirit care about how we live. They care about if you do right. They care about how you treat other people. And they care. So they were, that was a couple of Nebuchadnezzar's problems. He wasn't living rightly, and he was oppressing the poor. And not only that, he was super, super proud. And so for these things, God, in his great mercy, was teaching him that heaven rules. And so Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. He got the interpretation and grand. He went on living, it says. And then 12 months later, he was standing on the roof overlooking his kingdom. And he basically said, wow, look what I have done. And immediately a voice from heaven came and Nebuchadnezzar lost his sanity. And it says that for seven years, he went out and he lived like an animal. He, grew, he had hair, it said, like eagle's feathers growing off of him. And he lived where the rain was falling on him, eating the grass. He just lost it. And then the seven years finished, and finally, things changed. At the end of the days, it says in verse 34, at the end of the seven years... I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High. That's, I love that. I love that. those words, too. Maybe I have more than just two words that I love the most, but he says these five words, my reason returned to me. And uh, it's interesting. His acknowledging and glorifying God was like his sanity. He was all of a sudden sane. Okay, and and he goes on, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing and he does according to his will among the host of heaven, among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? And again, he says these five words again. At the same time, 
my reason return to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor return to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, I praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. I just, I love that story. It's really a cool um, picture in, in a journey. And, but I guess the reason, what I, what I think the reason that I shared it was because of, of Daniel being a man who carried something special to communicate to people who needed God. And again, I think that the, the, the task that, that God calls us to is like, it's so massive. Listen, Jesus said to his disciples, observe, teach them. That's me. That's you. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded. Do you remember some of the stuff that Jesus taught them? Uh, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Uh, love your enemies. Do good to those who try to harm you. Uh, set captives free. Release prisoners from darkness. And <clears throat> so that's overwhelming. I'll, tell you, I'll raise my hand. Because, listen, I don't got that. Do you, if you have that, talk to me afterwards. Listen, some, some people have experienced some stuff, actually. Isn't that amazing? And, and uh, I would like to learn more because i think that this is what god calls us to and really listen i am so comfortable um like having tea and coffee and even like reading the bible and even like playing my guitar and singing songs like that's comfortable and that's good and important and helpful and i appreciate i appreciate the talents like this guy on the drums, this guy on the keyboard, this guy on the whatever he's playing today, the bass, the singers, the people organizing the tea, the, the kids workers upstairs teaching them that God loves them. And, and like I appreciate it. I love the faithfulness that, you know, and serving that you guys do. But... I think it's good for us to be a little bit discontent. And I'm glad James is here because James really, I think he brought, he put a good foundation in this church of a holy discontent that there is more with God. And, and if we get too comfortable, we're in trouble. And you're going to just be bored with the Christian life. And... So the Holy Spirit invites you to this adventure. And again, uh, when, when we're overwhelmed by this call that he gives to us, we can either just like try to just stick to what we know. Or we can say, okay, 
okay, I'm going to jump into this water, <laughs> right? And it's, um, you guys have to do it. Isn't that cool? I get to like, you know, it's not the pastor's job to live your Christian life. And I am so much, I'm just totally just like you guys, I'm telling you. I'm totally just like you guys. Heather and I have our own problems and our own issues. We have to get up in the night and do stuff with our kids. And we, you know, we're people, yet we have this amazing call. And we're, we're all on this journey together. Amen? We all have to one day give an account and say, Okay, Jesus, you know, I took what you gave me. And I stewarded that the best I knew how. It scared me to death sometimes. I know I stumbled and fumbled and all that stuff. But you, you said you invited me, so I just need you. And so this is the life with the Holy Spirit. We are a church on the offensive. We have a call. You have a purpose. Say, I have a purpose. You got people around you that need what God has put in you. 